the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and you are listening to The Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your Bible question. Whatever's on your heart and mind, we'll do the best that we can. And today I have lots and lots of Bible answering help in studio with me because this is the date day edition of the show. Mm-hmm. Paula, welcome to the program. Thank you, sweetie. We've had fun hanging out today. We always do. So what's new? Um, Let me see. I'm back from my trip to Idaho, and I'm leaving tomorrow again. See, everybody's ditching me. We're not ditching you. Two weekends in a row, I'm I'm alone. We're on a mission from God. (laughs) (laughs) We'd love your live calls for questions. 210-340-9585. That's your phone number, 340-9585. You can also call us toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. Numerically, that's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com. You can also uh, use the free KSLR mobile app uh, if you're driving in your car uh, to call safely. Uh, And we at Calvary Chapel, we have our own free mobile app where you can send questions in uh, as well. So, Paula, it's your show. It's your day. Mm-hmm. I've been hanging out with the prettiest girl in Texas all day, so Thanks. the rest is on you. Thanks. Um, just off the top, uh, because it seems like it's coming up every time I turn around, it's the theme of forgiveness. And I just, as I opened up my, um, my what is this thing, an iPad? <laughs> it's not a laptop, right? It's an iPad. Okay. iPad to... Um, Go to my Bible. She gets her technical genius from me. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, it said on there about um, it's easy to forgive someone you know. Um, but the but God, I think this is what it says, but God asks us to forgive even those, no, to forgive all people. And it's been coming up over and over again, you know, that one that gets on your last nerve or that one who has forsaken you, abandoned you, rejected you, you know, um, and it just keeps coming up. And so um, when we went to Idaho, my, um, my first teaching was on hope, the assurance of our salvation. And, um, and then um, Jocelyn taught on faithfulness and then shared her testimony, God's faithfulness, not ours, certainly. Um, and then my last one was on forgiveness, and I had all these notes and stuff, but boy, I tell you what, the Lord just started uh, speaking uh, without me using my notes. I think because every time I turned around, we were talking <laughs> about forgiveness. And, um, you know, in a church their size, and they had had the back part cordoned off, and so as I'm looking out, there's like four sections, two in the middle and you know, one on each side. And, um, you know, even in church, uh, you could sit on the far left side and somebody who you go to church with can sit on the far right side 
and neither the two should meet, shall meet. And so it was kind of one of those things where, you know, you, you talk about throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Well, forgiveness or unforgiveness is one such thing that hinders our walk. And so, you know, as I looked at it, I said, you know, just for instance, talking about forgiveness, there may be somebody on the far left and somebody on the far right, and you guys won't even meet eyes. It's like, you know, you're going to avoid at all costs. And um, it was almost as though the Lord was saying, that's happening. And, um, and then the way that they do their communion at the end before we go home, after this forgiveness teaching, the way they do their communion is their pastor's wife stands in the middle with a goblet of the juice, and Jocelyn was on the right side, and I was on the left side of her holding gluten-free crackers. And so they have two lines, and so once they get their cracker, they dip it in, and then they have to hug each other. And it was as though the Lord was saying, there's going to be some hugging from those people on the far left and the far right and they they're supposed to hug each other representing the arms and the heart of Jesus well so I'm standing there and I could see a couple of ladies would not meet eyes a lot of them would you can hear them you know God bless you I'm so glad you're here I love you that kind of thing but there was a couple of them that wouldn't connect eyes and the Lord was saying pray for them and so on this forgiveness thing um, it could hinder our walk. Forgiveness thing. I like the way you yes. put that. It's not easy. You know, Paul, the, the picture, that's a good picture. People, same church, listening to same worship songs. Um, on, on either side of the church, their arms are raised uh, in, in worship to God. Mm -hmm. They're full of emotion. Uh, a lot of times, especially with women, tears flowing mm -hmm. uh, because the worship can get very, very emotional. Uh, and, and yet, the whole time, uh, pretending like everything's okay when there are people they are actively withholding forgiveness from. Um, it, it's uh, a game that we play in the Church of Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, I'm okay because I'm still getting goosebumps with the worship songs. I'm okay. Uh, it wasn't my fault. But one of the things that we've got to focus on if we're really, really going to, to be filled with the Spirit, to be usable by the Lord for His glory, is we've got to focus on, on a clean heart. Mm -hmm. And that means we've got to be honest enough to say, look, I'm holding something against this person and uh, that's on me, that's not on them. They may have done something that upsets you, but, th but that's not the point. Holding unforgiveness is a choice that we make. And, and from this one pastor's perspective right here today, mm -hmm. um, nothing is harder for me than watching people pretend everything is okay. Like they're engaged in the worship of God, but, but they won't let go of, of their unforgiveness or their anger. Mm -hmm against other people for what they've done. I, I wonder, I mean, I think I can guess from Scripture, but but uh, I wonder if we could see Jesus at church. Would he go over and grab one on the right, bring her by the hand to one on the left, and bring her by the hand and say, would you please do this for me? This is for me. No, Lord, I won't do this because you don't know what she said or what she did, but, but I want to serve you, Lord. And Jesus would simply say, you can't. Mm -hmm. You can't, and yet we pretend all the time like it's okay because we're pretending that we're okay. Yeah, he does do that. You know why I know? Because it happened to me. I was on the worship team one time, and this lady who just kind of irritated me, she didn't really come here, but she wanted me to come to her house. And um, she asked me one time when I come, you know, I saw her in the grocery store. She said, you know what, why don't you ever come over to my house? I said, well, you don't really come to my church, and I'm, I'm kind of busy. You know, I, I'm ministering to the people who come there. Oh, you think you're too good for me? Well, no, it's not that at all, but, you know, well, would you come over for coffee? I said, I will come one time. If you really need me to come over, I'll come over. Well, I get there, Ron, and about 15 minutes in, she gets a phone call, and she asked me to stay there with her kids while she had to run out and do something. I'll be back in 10, 15 minutes. It was hours, and I didn't know where she was. And it's before cell phones, you know, so I, I didn't have a, a way to connect with her or anything. So I just have to stay there with her kids. I can't just leave her kids and say, you know, hey, they're not my kids. And this. So that didn't happen just one time. That happened two times. And, you know, that saying, 
shame on her, shame on me for it happening twice. Um, but anyway, she, um, she and her family, I didn't see for a long time, and she knew I was a little upset. This is very unfair. It will not happen again. I will not be coming to your house again. You know, I gave you the opportunity, and you violated my trust, so I will not be doing that again. And so she brings her family here, you know, to come to church, and I'm on the worship team, and you know my lip thing. <laughs> I was a little you bit... You have to explain that to yeah, the audience. When, when I'm a little disgusted, my, my lip kind of goes up, and I have no poker face. <laughs> and so she and her family come here, and I was like, man, I'm talking to the Lord. I'm on the worship team, looking out, and the Lord says, you got an issue. I said, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not going to do anything about you it. You know, I'm, I'm like, what? And and it was Pastor Troy here at the time, and he says, you know what's getting, the Lord's talking to me, you know what's getting ready to come. I was like, yeah. He says, I want you to get off this stage and go right down to her and welcome her in this church. And I was like, oh, man, Lord, I know what, what holiness is not doing anybody any good, especially me. So anyway, mm, tail between my leg, I go over there, you know, and this is what she says to me. You know why I always keep returning to this church? I know I'm not here very often and stuff, but you know why I always return? And, you know, I was trying to be nice. I was like, yeah, why? You know, kind of thing. I didn't, it didn't come out like that, but that was my attitude. And it's like, no, I don't know why. And she said, no matter what's happened um, between me and you, you always have that smile. And she apologized. <laughs> I was like, what? So I go back up to the stage, you know, as I'm going back. Lord said, see, now you're free. So anyway, he will do that. He will take <laughs> <laughs> the, the pastor's wife of the church. You know, she's holding some, you know, animosity. and You know, it's just, it's just time for, for God's people to stop pretending that they're okay with God when they're not. Yeah. It's, 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 there's no longer any excuse for it. We're living in the last days. The world is literally going to hell at a, at a pace that um, seemingly, at least in our lifetime, has never happened before. Um, we've got to be serious about our own personal walk with God before we can have any impact on anybody else's walk with the Lord. And it is, at least for, for me, the single most difficult thing to, to look out and see people that I know and love but I know they're unwilling to forgive. I know they're holding grudges, or I know they're angry at somebody. And yet you can come to church, put on your churchy face, and everything seems to be okay. We've got to stop doing that in these last days. Yeah. And, and the Lord, you know, we, they don't have to be our best friends, but we've got to want the best for them, no matter what, you know. And um, so, yeah, that's just a kind of an ongoing thing, I think. But we can... As soon as that person's face or name comes to mind, um, we can make a choice. Okay. Uh, Paula, before you get back to, to uh, forgiveness and what else you're going to talk about there, um, let, let me ask you a question. You, you brought it up, and that's why it kind of hit my heart. Um, pastors' wives, generally, uh, are busy. Mm -hmm. You're exceptionally busy. And there are always women who want... Uh, you to take time to socialize with them away from the church. Mm -hmm. um, some pastors' wives have kids at home of their own and husbands to take care of. Um, how do you balance that? I mean, um, uh, you're very social. You can do a lot of things. But uh, truth is, you're always here. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and, and you're always with the body, mm -hmm. and you have actually been criticized at times in the past for telling people, come on, you've been coming to church for a long time, now it's time for us to go meet new people. Mm -hmm. And and people, well, you don't care about me anymore because you're only interested in new people. How do you balance all of that, if you don't mind sharing your heart? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think I'm balancing it. You know, nobody's told me that so much lately but yes I have definitely had that before but it, you know I've been watching quite a few of the ladies who they come in and they just think um, they've got to be in my space kind of thing wherever I am thinking you know thinking I'm something <laughs> really if they really got to know me they'd be like no she ain't all that but um, 
so what I do, I just hold them by the hand and take them with me to meet new people. Um, but I do, especially now with texting, I, it, it's a little easier, to tell you the truth, because I can kind of keep in contact without um, spending a whole lot of time. Uh, but the people are growing up, Ron. They're growing up. And I don't know if that has anything to do with me or just the way the Lord teaches and how you say, get involved. If you start serving, then you're not so needy. When you're just coming to church to have your needs met, that's when you run into trouble. But when they, when the people start serving, then they're, the people that they're serving with become the ones that they hang out with. And they're not lonely anymore or so um, they got to be with the pastor's wife. I mean, it just, I don't know. It's, it's not a big issue, well, I don't think, any well, longer. Well, it, there's, there's always going to be some clingy people like that. But uh, one thing that I, I did hear you tell somebody um, um, one time that I think is important. You, you tell people, look, um, uh, I don't have a free night. I've got a husband to take care of. That is true. Even uh, with the pastor's wives in our area, yeah. they get together. And I think that's a great thing. But they get together on some Tuesday nights. I have worship practice and or that's the only night that I have home with you. Yeah. And so I, I, I flat out tell them, no, I, I can't be there. But you, you told this one woman on that occasion, you said, look, if you want to hang out with me, mm-hmm. be where I am. Yeah. And lady said, well, well, I can't be at church as often as you're at church. Well, because I'm at church this often, I can't be where you are. Mm-hmm. So this is what I'm committed to. I'm committed to serving the Lord. I'm committed to serving my husband. But this is the body that God has given us. And um, maybe, I hope this makes sense to the listening audience, but, but um, you know, you're not here because I make you be here. You're not here because you'd feel guilty if you weren't here. You're here because this is where the people you love are, are, are located. Yeah. And this is the opportunity. I tell our, our, our pastors, look, uh, you got to be here all three services on Sunday. you got to be here Wednesday. you got to be here Friday. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason you got to be here is because that's when where the, the ministry opportunities are, are I, presented to you. That's when people get here. And, and, of course, we've got Bible studies that you're involved in on Monday night. Mm-hmm. So you're here three services Sunday. You're here Monday night. Uh, you're here sometimes for worship rehearsal on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're here Wednesday night for our Bible study. Yep. Uh, Thursday night, you're home with me. Uh-huh. Until choir. Until choir comes. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Friday. Friday night, we have church. Yep. And Saturday, we, you and I are here for prayer Saturday mornings. And pastor's sometimes class. pastor's discipleship class. So yep. it, it j- there's just not a lot of time. Yeah. And I, I think that the message, at least the message I hope we're communicating, is that... Um, we're making the most of every opportunity, redeeming the time. That's mm-hmm. what Paul tells us to do. Mm-hmm. And and we have to be where people are in order to minister. We don't have to do all the ministry, mm-hmm. but we've got to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And that's really only going to happen effectively if, uh, in fact, we're, we're, we're setting an example, leading by example. Mm-hmm. Again, not because we have to be here, mm-hmm. but because this is our life. It's our and, life. It's our family. Yeah. It's our family, so I like being with my family. Yeah. <laughs> I love when Paul writes, when Christ, who is our life, appears. Uh-huh. Well, he's my life. He's yeah. your life. Yeah. And so we're focused on the mission that God has given us, and it's not a got to, it's a get to. Yeah. And we pray, we've been praying forever, even before we came here, for the lost, the hurting, the hungry, the broken, the needy, the confused. And then after a little while we were here, and all those lost, hurting, hungry, broken, needy, confused people showed up. Then I started praying, and some healthy ones too, okay, Lord, because we need help. But no, I want to be where the people are, and it's so exciting, especially after we've been here so long now, to see those broken, needy, hurting people come in, and then, you know, you, you, you do spend some extra time with those you hold them by the hand and say come on you know i'm going to go meet new people so you come meet the new people with me and then after a while it's like taking the training wheels off and i can just look at them and say you know i got to go meet new people you go this way i'll go this way and we'll talk about who we met later so they're not just so clingy clingy Mm -hmm. to me um but yeah being here at church it's awesome and then to see the new people come in broken um, 
and I get to sit with some of them and, and just tell them, you know, the Lord is patient. You know, you will mess up again, but don't beat yourself yeah. up. Don't let the devil take you down the wrong road. It's going to be okay. I got saved seven times. <laughs> and don't be surprised, new people, when you come to Calvary Chapel, San Antonio, Paula doesn't grab you by the hand and say, hey, come sit up front with me. That's right. Because that's that's what happens. It happens a lot. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. if you have any questions or comments for Paula, three four zero ninety five eighty five. Uh You can also call toll-free at 877 630-KSLR. Paula, what's next on your list? You know what? I wanted to talk about hope as well. Um, you know, starting out, a lot of times people will come to church, especially I did a conference, and so it's not coming to a regular church uh, service. It was all women and just talking about hope. So they're bringing in friends and family members who aren't saved. And in the Idaho area, uh, for the most part, it's uh, Mormon uh, population, and so uh, it was really funny. So let me let me go to a side thing right here because this is the church <laughs> I was telling the people last week that this is the church where I gave the altar call, two hundred, yeah, about two hundred, maybe three hundred ladies, and they all stood up. And well, some of them remembered Rosalinda was there with me because um, I t- I asked them. I said, how many of you guys were here that year when I did the altar call and everybody stood up? hands went up and they were saying that was us that was us i would say probably 40 plus women were at this conference who were there back in that in that time when and i you said that was 10 years ago that was 10 years ago yeah and so here i am talking about hope and and i started out with is there hope or love for me can i be forgiven for all that i've done and can i start over in life being changed and of course you know, the answer is yes, because hope is not just um, I wish, I wish, I wish, but hope is a person and his name is Jesus. And so if you have Jesus living in you, you're, of course, all your sins are forgiven, past, present and future. And he has a plan for you um, that he will work out in and through you. So it was a really it was a fun conference. Good to see people that you haven't seen in a long time and that you had an impact on their lives. We're under four minutes, about three and a half minutes for okay. this side of the program. Tell the story of the lady who came up oh, yeah. okay. this, this, this weekend, or last weekend. <laughs> yeah, talking about hope. She, you know, she the ten years ago when she came to me, she's talking about her unsaved husband and that she was getting ready to just to dump him. And she said, I said, she said, girl, don't talk to me till you've been with that man for at least 10 years. So she'd been trying to be faithful, coming to the church this whole time. And she said, 10 years came and went. And she said, I was looking for you to say, <laughs> <laughs> to tell you, no, she said, to give you what for, because it had not worked. And, and she said, but no, here you come this year. She said, it was, it was after 12 years that her husband finally surrendered his life to Jesus and she said I was going to give you up for but she said now I'm just going to hug you and say thank you so much for encouraging me to hang in there with my unbelieving husband and she said I can't tell you you know how many days she was giving up hope and yet she could hear my voice say just one more day (laughs) you know you, that's not a popular message, part, but <laughs> in large part because of your testimony. You mm-hmm. prayed for me for 13 years. Uh, you you should have said, come and talk to me after 13 years. I should have. Well, yeah, but see, she said that I said that because yeah. I'm thinking if I said that, I would have said 13. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's a difficult message for people who are, are, are in a miserable situation. That's hard. We had a man... Uh, from the, the the church who asked you privately, uh, so how'd you do it all those years when Ron was such a jerk? And you could tell that the pain in his face was that's what he was experiencing mm-hmm, now, mm-hmm. but not with a man, obviously, with his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's such a hard miss just hang in there and trust the Lord. Our joy, our strength, our hope, uh, it all has to come from the Lord because there's no other source. And I think a lot of times when those those lengthy times of pain mm-hmm. are, are in our lives. Uh, I, I think they're by God's design um, because he's trying to do a really, really deep work. Yeah. And on the other side of that, uh, in me, 
and, and for others who are also watching. For instance, Ronnie, our older son, at what, I think it was when I turned 50, a couple people turned, had their birthdays today. And I think it was on my 50th birthday that Ronnie gave me a birthday card and inside of it, when he said, happy birthday, mom, and then he said, mom, I am so glad you became a Christian because where would our family be if it wasn't for Jesus? And having me hang in there with his father. That's when it makes things worthwhile, doesn't it? Doesn't it? It's like having the baby, but the labor pains just (laughs) went on for years and years and years and years. But it was worth it when the baby was finally born. Yeah. Oh, well. (laughs) 13 years. Yeah. But that wasn't as bad as you make me out to be, was I? Uh, well. (laughs) (laughs) We we know the truth. Yeah, I tell you what, you weren't as bad as some of the stories that I do here, though. Yeah. Yeah. I would have killed you. <laughs> We've got 30 minutes left, ladies, especially this day's for you, but we'll take Bible questions or anything else. 340-9585 for your live calls or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. You're listening to the Word of Santa for Life. We'll be back in two minutes. to the word to stand on for life we're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR now here's pastor ron arbaugh welcome back we have 30 minutes left 340-9585 for your live calls and questions paula it's your day it's your show i know isn't this exciting i'm just talking all all the minutes up huh anyway thank you for inviting me making it my show, so I don't have to do any guilt about talking the whole time. Anyway, so in the second part, I would love to talk about um, our Second Samuel studies. You know, uh, last week, David uh, went to great stakes to be kind to, to Mephibosheth. Um, Say that fast three times. Yeah, Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth. <laughs> um, you know, him, him being a cripple and all, just going out of his way to show kindness for his friend, his closer than a brother, brother, uh, Jonathan's sake. Um, and so, you know, in last night's study, um, you were saying that we too need to be looking forcefully for opportunities, opportunities to show kindness, whether it's well received or not. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think uh, the, the thing that's amazing to me about those two chapters, 9 and 10, I had explained last night, and I don't know if I did an adequate job, but, but I had explained that those the chapter 10 actually happened before chapter 9. Uh, the great victories in chapter eight, but the Holy Spirit put His sort of fingerprint on the on the Scripture by placing it after chapter nine chronologically. But those events happened, and in in chapter ten, which happened before chapter nine, uh, David tried to show kindness to uh, a, a pagan king uh, whose father had just died because the the king's father had shown David some kindness that we don't know what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and David was rebuked, not only rebuked, but, but humiliated and literally a declaration of war was made against him by this man Hanun. Uh, and, and David uh, goes from that place, well, I tried to show kindness, and they didn't want to do it. Instead of reacting like that, um, chapter 9, an event that happened afterwards, uh, begins with David wanting to show kindness even to the family of Saul. Mm-hmm his enemy, but he said, no, for the sake of my brother Jonathan, is there anybody left I could show kindness to? And it appears that when David was doing well, one of the reasons he was doing well was because he was always looking for opportunities to show kindness to people in his life, whether they were friends or foe, it didn't matter to him. Uh, he, He was looking for opportunities, aggressively looking for opportunities to be kind. And that is so lacking uh, thousands of years later in our church culture from those of us who have so much more to be grateful for mm-hmm. and to show kindness for. Yeah. Um, why do you think that is? Flesh we hate. Sacrificing how we feel. Yeah. I mean, it's flesh. 
Yeah. Well, nobody's okay. showing kindness to me, so I'm not going to show kindness. Mm -hmm. He said something about bad, bad about me. I'm going to say something mm -hmm. worse about me. Because we're in all the, I'm going to one up you, kind of a thing. It's just flesh. Our flesh He's, is never satisfied. Yeah. And although we have, it's like when we talked in the first half of that about forgiveness. And, and not holding on to mm -hmm. to to anger or or grudges or anything else. Mm -hmm. um, there's some perverse way that holding on to anger or not being kind to people satisfies our flesh. Yeah, where but the Lord tells us love is patient, love is kind. You know, love does not keep a record of wrongs. I mean, you know, and my brain is a computer. It, it really keeps a record of wrongs. I have to force myself to remember the Lord's blessings. I have no problem remembering the things people have said and done to me. But that's just that's just wrong, huh? But the Lord says, flip the switch, girl. Get the different perspective and, and see that I love everybody. And I want to be kind to everybody. I reign on the righteous and the unrighteous. The sun shines on the righteous and the unrighteous. And so if... Jesus is the one who's living in me. In the Romans 5, 5, love of God is shed abroad in my heart for all people. Then I get to choose to walk in his love. And, and one of those definitions for love is kindness. So um, I want to be like Jonathan. I want to be like Jesus. You know, I, I think as our flesh goes, Paula, the, the single hardest thing about the description of love in 1 Corinthians 13 mm -hmm. is the keeps no record of wrongs mm -hmm. thing. And, and, and actively what we should be doing, what I personally have to do, uh, my flesh is just as stinky, if not more stinky than anybody else's. Mm -hmm. uh, I've got to remember that, that, well, if Jesus kept a record of my wrongs, yep. where would I be? Yeah. And, and if I want to be more like Jesus every day, I've got to understand there's no way to do that without saying yes to him and saying no to my flesh. And uh, it's just so difficult for us unnecessarily. Mm -hmm. And the difference is walking in the flesh versus walking in the spirit. Mm -hmm. You know, just getting some scenarios in my head. You know, David with um, Mephibosheth, he could have easily said, man, your dad was something else. You're going to suffer, you know, for his wrongs. And yet... He knew that wasn't the right thing to do. You mean the grandfather? The grandfather, yeah. yes, because I'm Saul. thinking Mika. Yeah, okay, you're... So... so yeah. Saul yeah. was Mephibosheth's grandfather. Yeah. Jonathan. His father. Yeah, that's right. Um, so I've been holding this grudge a long time, and I finally got somebody to spill it out on. Too bad for you. And see, nobody would blame David because it was just the, 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 the habit of the ancient world when somebody new came into power, mm -hmm. they would automatically kill all of the, the heirs by birth to the throne so there would be no competition, so mm -hmm. there couldn't be any coups. Mm -hmm. And so everybody would understood. In fact, that's what Mephibosheth had been told mm -hmm. his entire life. If you ever see David run, he's going to kill him. That's why he was dropped. Yeah. Um, because David was judged unfairly. Yeah. yeah. Let's take a phone call, Paula, and then okay. we'll get back to business. Let's go to Lavernia, Texas, and talk with Bill on line one. Bill, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Yeah, I had a question. She had mentioned the uh, the altar call uh, earlier, which I've always felt that's convicting of the Holy Spirit most time for it to do that. Seems like a lot of churches are getting away more of uh, the old traditional altar calls. I was saved in the Hellfire and Brimstone Church, and so mm -hmm. early altar calls in a different manner and into the uh, the newer age as we've grown up here in the 80s when I came back around again and seeing the... Uh, the intensity of the music and the conviction that had on my heart to to make me want to change my ways uh, and about what I may be going through that week, that year, that month, whatever. But it just seems like churches are getting away from it in lieu of and and due to their their the emoting thing they talk about being scared of for some reason or are disapproving of the emoting thing, and I just. Uh, like your thoughts on that, if that's enough information for you there to, yep. you know, uh, what what you've seen, sir. Yeah, it is, Bill. Thank you very, very much. Um, you, you know, one of the things, and, and uh, as a church leader, um, uh, obviously I'm, I'm a recipient of all of the church marketing techniques and all of the programs that are being uh, peddled to churches throughout this nation. And we've become an expert. You can go all the way back to uh, Willow Creek Church. Uh, it started with Bill Hybels. You could even go a little bit further back with Robert Schuler. 
And uh, at some point in our church history, Bill, it became the habit or the practice of the church to make people feel good about themselves. And the conviction of the Holy Spirit was frowned upon because it made people feel guilty. You know, I don't come to church to feel guilty. I come to church to be lifted up and those kind of things. Well, church growth practitioners have convinced a large part of the church that altar calls make the people in church so uncomfortable that people will stop coming. If you want your church to grow, there are some things you can't do, and that's one of the things you can't do. Bill, for me personally, uh, it, it, it shows just how sick so much of our church culture really is. Um, I give an invitation every service um, on on. Fridays and and on on Sunday or I'm sorry Fridays and Wednesdays I do it a little bit different I ask uh, people come forward for prayer uh, not not for me doing it but but we we close our Friday night service with prayer and on on Wednesday night because it's an Old Testament night most of the people are believers and still I give an invitation every Wednesday night uh, on Fridays I know how uncomfortable it makes people in fact I often refer to it in the message, but I challenge people to get beyond that because you can leave uncomfortable or you can leave here having been convicted by the Holy Spirit and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Um, and unfortunately, it's just something that people stopped believing in uh, out of convenience. Uh, pastors, uh, honestly, we get tired of giving invitations and nobody coming forward. Uh, but but that's not the point. The Lord spoke to my heart one time so clearly. Every time you have a microphone in your face, um, you're going to invite people to, to, to come to know me. And uh, I've done that faithfully. And I've actually been invited to churches where they told me not to give an invitation. And I told them, look, um, I can't do that. Uh, here's the message I'm going to give. I've got to give an invitation. And in and, and both of those cases, the pastors, I'm talking about other Calvary Chapel pastors, they said, well, uh, okay, but... And, and so I, I went ahead and did it, and people got saved. And, and in both of those cases, those pastors were convicted. The Lord convicted them, and, and they started doing it and sort of changed their ministry. So, Bill, I'm with you 100%. You know, it, it's not fire and brimstone that brings people to Jesus. It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. Mm-hmm. And my job in teaching through the Scriptures is to present a kind, loving, giving God who loved us so much that he sent his only son. And and all of the promises that we have as believers that don't apply to unbelievers. So I want people to come. So invitations are a very important part of what we do here. And I think it's something that every church ought to do. Now, I will also say this. Um, sorry for taking all your time. Today, no, no, Paula, no. But I'll also say this. There is a, a faction of the church, uh, a Calvinist faction of the church, that believes altar calls are unbiblical. Um, because God is sovereign, because God chooses uh, indiscriminately who is and who isn't going to be saved to give an altar call to somebody they claim who hasn't been chosen by God uh, is to misrepresent God. Now, I think that's absolute foolishness, but especially in the Southern Baptist denomination, um, the Young Reform Calvinist movement has sort of taken over the Southern Baptist Convention um, leadership, certainly, and and um, by far the majority in numbers, uh, and in in large part even Baptists who always gave invitations are now shying away from it because of their Calvinist doctrine. That's why I tell people on this program all the time, and tell my church the same thing, Bill. That doctrine matters a lot. It matters a lot. Okay. Bill, I hope that helps, and you pray for churches who aren't doing it. Um, I want people to be uncomfortable when they come to church because I want them um, to, to have to come face-to-face with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God's Word says, I want you to stop doing wrong and learn to do right. And hanging around this church for all these times, when, when I get asked to go out, they'll, they'll ask me, will you do the altar call? I'll say, I'll be happy to. Because I do it from the very first teaching and every teaching. And and was last year at... Um, one of the things for Calvary Chapel in California where I kept asking, are you sure you're born again? You should kind of know the year, not necessarily the day, but you should know. And are you different? 
because if you're not different, are you sure you're saved? And I would ask, you know, kind of, it was, it was almost to the point of, Paula, why do you keep asking these people this? Um, and so as we, it's, th- it's three days. We are packing our stuff, getting in the car, getting ready to drive off, and this girl is screaming, running after me, wait, wait, wait. I'm one, you kept asking, and I knew I wasn't, but I can't let you leave. Would you please lead me in a prayer to receive Christ? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, what's so wrong with that? But, uh, you know, you ask all the time, you're a believer now. You need to stop drinking to get drunk. Um, You're a believer now. Don't, for the men, don't lord it over your wife and your kids just because you're bigger and stronger. You're not their boss. You're not their taskmaster. You're supposed to be loving them as Christ loved the church. Uh, be a good employee. Are you there on time? Are you working and doing everything as unto the Lord? I mean, you break it down so that we don't have any excuse. Are you holding on to unforgiveness, bitterness, anger, rage? Um, because as a Christian, that's not what we're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And in some of these soft-spoken churches, those things aren't pointed out. Are you doing drugs? manufacture them, selling them, whatever. That's not right. And so we get to hear that over and over again in, in some of the other churches. Oh, man, if he tells me that, um, like, for instance, I'm in here raising my hands, I'm crying, praising the Lord, and yet two rows back of me, you know, I can't stand that person. That's not right. Yeah. You know, um, Paula and Bill, this is for you as well. I, I can't imagine when a pastor who has chosen not to give invitations stands before Jesus and Jesus asks a question, were you embarrassed by me? Were you ashamed of me? Yeah. I mean, why why didn't you give them a chance to know me? And Paula, the example you gave of the lady running after you as you were getting ready to leave, um, had you not given him an invitation, that woman would have continued pretending like everything was okay. And you kept saying the same thing. People say to me all the time, why do you keep saying the same thing? Because I need to. Because you guys don't listen. And and again, I've been here for 23 years. My, my church knows how much I love them. I've got some equity. So I can get away with things. You've got a personality. You can get away with saying things that other people might get punched for. But um, every pastor has the responsibility every time they're teaching the Bible to invite people to come to know Jesus. Yeah. And and to not do that uh, is inexcusable, at least from my perspective, and I think that perspective is biblical. Yeah, I agree. Thanks, I mean, Bill. Thank you. That was a, a great call. Yeah, it's his kindness that we're talking about. His kindness leads to repentance. He says, come unto me, you know. I want to forgive you. I want to make life better for you. I want to relieve you of the guilt and the shame. Like Mephibosheth's name uh, was forgiver of, what is it called? Forgetter of shames? What is it? I can look it up. It's a remover, the remover of shame. Mm -hmm. And so his name meant shame, but the Lord wants to remove that shame from us, the guilt and shame. And though we are guilty yesterday, he makes us innocent today and forever, if we would just... Yeah, actually, his name means shameful one. Shameful one. But, okay. but God, David the king, removed the shame. And the picture, yeah. of course, is our king yeah. of kings. Yeah, Mephibosheth's name means throwing shame. away the shame. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. And so he wants us to come to him so he'll throw away our shame. And mm-hmm. how kind is that? Because he knows all the stuff that we've ever done, mm-hmm. and he wants us anyway. I had a guy, this is probably 10 years ago, Paula, but... But uh, he said, you know, you're always talking about Jesus. Why are you talking about Jesus? I just told him because it's all about Jesus. Well, I thought that was the end of the conversation. After the next Sunday's message, he came and says, you know, I was counting. You mentioned Jesus more than 40 times. That's why I stopped counting. I said, that's a 50-minute message. You, You mentioned Jesus more than 40 times. And I said, I hope that never stops. Yeah. Now, I don't know. I, I'm not keeping count. Uh-huh. But I hope I'm saying Jesus now more than I ever said it before. Well, it's a minute. That, that's, you know, that'd be good. So it's, 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 it's like breathing. It's about him. Yeah. You know, uh, I think it was uh, D.L. Moody that somebody, being critical of him, another clergyman, said to him, said, well, well why do you always talk about born again? 
<laughs> oh, yeah. You must be born again. Mm -hmm. And D.L. Moody looked at him and said, because you must be born again. Mm -hmm. And it just infuriated the mm -hmm. guy. Mm -hmm. but, but the whole point is, we're not okay the way we are. Yeah. There's no excuse as Christians to keep doing the same things unbelievers do and pretending it's okay because God understands. He knows how I feel. Mm -hmm. It's simply not okay in these last days for one more day yeah. to keep doing the old things. It's not okay to turn on the computer screen and look at pornography. Yeah. It's not okay to, to get angry and yell at your family, whether you're a, a husband or a wife. Mm -hmm. It's not okay to misrepresent Jesus for your kids. It's not okay as a single person. To, to go out and, well, uh, I have needs, and God understands that we're faithful to one another, so I know we're having sex, I know it's wrong, but it's not okay to ever do that again. And that leads into the study next week. One of the things I said in our study last yeah. night, it, just to begin it, I want everybody to understand, chapter 10 has some stuff of value for us, but chapter 10 is all about chapter 11, and that's when David sins with Bathsheba. And it ruined his life. Yeah. Now, God forgave him. David continued to be king. But the pain in his life would never go away. And it's pain that we couldn't even begin to bear. Uh, and, and the reason it's so important to tell people to stop doing wrong and start doing right, to tell them that the time is short, yeah. uh, to, to say holding on to unforgiveness or, or grudges or bitterness is wrong, uh, is because there's always going to be a chapter 11 in our lives. And David failed to protect himself. You know, just a few chapters back, it was all about putting up garrisons, putting up uh, a defense mm -hmm. against the things that could cause him difficulty. Um, suddenly gets to chapter 11, he's successful, things are going well, God has been wonderfully generous to him in terms of the victories that he's given. And maybe, just maybe, David starts thinking, you know, I deserve a little pleasure. And there she is, she's out there, so I'm the king, mm -hmm. and he sins for her, mm -hmm. and it changed the rest of his life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I know in this study, because I bred head, <laughs> God says, if you had wanted anything else, why didn't you just ask me? And David didn't ask. You know, you say to us that God always warns us about things we need to be warned about. And so, man, I tell you what, some of these studies, it just makes you like, Oh, Lord, please, please prepare me, please. I want to heed the warnings like I told you in the car going home the other night. Um, but even as you were talking about chapter 10, the very first thing you started out with is God is preparing us to stand. We don't have to fall when temptation comes. Um, and, you know, so many of us, uh, we fall, but then you even eliminated that excuse last time because you said we are only tempted by things that we really want to do anyway. Um, yeah, like, you know, I have no, you know, temptation when it comes to certain things, but there's other things that, oh, man, I want to eat the whole bag of almond M&Ms anyway, <laughs> you know, for instance, um, even though I know I shouldn't, but those things, like, for me, even smoking, I've never smoked a cigarette either, like you. I, I'm not tempted by that. But, you know, too much food or, you know, that kind of stuff. I, and it, so I have to, Lord, please keep me close. I don't want to, I don't want to fail now. Because like you're saying, you know, you can just be going along doing great for the longest amount of time. But it's that one you, thing. If you drop your guard, you're going to get creamed. Yeah. And, and that's, a, that's the devil's job. Mm -hmm. He's doing it and he does it well. That's why we've always got to be in the spirit. And, and, you know, Bill mentioned uh, in his call, um, um, his early years was a fire and brimstone preacher mm -hmm. or, or under a fire and brimstone yeah. preacher. Um, um, I, I, I'm, I'm completely the opposite of that. Uh, I never raised my voice mm -hmm. uh, to shout at people. just seems so manufactured. Mm -hmm. it is, that makes no sense <laughs> to me. Uh, I had somebody come to me and say, you know, Pastor Ron, your voice is so quiet. I need a preacher who's going to make me mad, going to make <laughs> me feel like I'm going to hell. And I said, that's not my job. That's the Holy no. Spirit's job. Um, but uh, this is what we say to our church. It's what I've been saying on this radio program for six years. We've got to stop making excuses. We've got to stop pretending that we are okay the way we are, that, well, I'm not as bad as other people. We've got to look into our own hearts and leave other people's hearts to the Lord. 
And and we've got to make a decision every single day. Well, am I going to please you today, Lord? Or am I going to please me? And then we have to be smart enough to realize that every time we we please ourselves, there's going to be enormous pain in our lives. Yeah. It's not God's fault; it's ours. Yeah, yeah. Paula, we're inside two minutes, mm-hmm. so you got the rest of the show. Okay. Um, you know, I don't know how long ago, maybe a couple years ago now, um, a guy that went to my high school, you know, found out where I was. And so he called the church secretary wanting to get my phone number. Of course, she didn't give it, but she gave me his. And, you know, you, you, you could be curious and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, just crumple that piece of paper and put it in the trash because a lot of girls, a lot of men are falling to that trap as well. The enemy. Yeah, we call it Facebook. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so put that stuff away, people. Um, you know what? Before before we go off, um, I wrote myself a couple of notes in the study from last night. And I said, trust. What? One, One minute. Trust God. Be kind to people. Give the benefit of the doubt. Believe the best no matter what. Paula, be a willing victim. Mm-hmm. Then you're not a victim. If you're like, okay, Lord, I'm putting my hands down and my heart open, which he's been telling me forever, um, then it's like, okay, Lord, whatever comes, you're going to take care of me. I'm going to be obedient to you, and I'll just, I'll leave it there. So hope it turns out well. <laughs> I know it doesn't always, but I'm going to try to trust you, Lord. And see, all that requires is faith. And to trust God, you got to know He's trustworthy. Yeah. And that requires exercising your faith yeah. on a daily basis. Yeah. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. You've been listening to the Date Day edition of the Word to Stand Up for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh, joined today by my beautiful wife, Paula. <laughs> I'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock on AM 630, the Word. May the Lord bless you and keep you. We'll see you tomorrow, Lord willing. Paul. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapels, The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.